With the 25th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm Fran Duffy, and today is our third and final look, the final Journey to the Draft for all of the Eagles draft selections. A couple weeks ago, we debuted with Andre Dillard and his path to being the 22nd overall pick. Last week, we looked at Miles Sanders and J.J. Arcego-Whiteside. How did they end up as Philadelphia Eagles late in April? Well, we're going to go back. We're going to talk to some area scouts. We're going to talk to some head coaches and really kind of get into what these guys are like, what the Eagles liked about them so much, and why they were made selections in the draft. We're going to start things off with Sharif Miller. We talked with the area scout that went into state college and evaluated Sharif numerous times this year. We talked to him last week about Miles Sanders. Let's bring back Northeast Area Scout Jim Ward from the Eagles. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Really happy to welcome back to the show uh, Eagles area scout Jim Ward. And Jim, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, Eagles defensive end uh, Sharif Miller, who was a day three pick, a fourth-round selection by the Eagles a couple weeks ago. Uh, Let's talk about Sharif and when he first popped on your radar. Everyone knows uh, a Philly kid. When did he first pop on your radar, and what was your first impression of him? I'm in training camp um, this past year. And, you know, you saw the length, you saw the overall size, and, and, and I saw a guy with get-off and, and, and going back to the, you know, the initial practice that I had saw him. Uh, but, you know, you knew he had a few years left, and, and uh, but you knew this guy was going to end up being a prospect. And, again, my first exposure was in the, you know, in terms of a game, a more competitive setting was the, was the pit game, and you saw the guy, saw a lot of the same thing, just the length, the explosiveness, and the ability to chase from the backside. Um, and, you know, so those things kind of stood out to me initially. And then as the, the evaluation continued, what, how did he continue to stand out for you uh, in his final season? Well, he was really productive. I mean, you look at Miles, I mean, I'm sorry, Sharif's numbers, uh, seven and a half sacks, 15 TFLs in the Big Ten. Um, you know, so the production was there. And when you really started to hone in and focus on, you know, what, what Sharif brought to the table. You know, you re- I really saw a guy that was very productive to the front side. Um, he made a lot of plays. And he impacted a lot of plays, the plays that he did not make. You know, you've seen the ability to chase from the backside. Um, you know, and, and I think as the season got on, I think this is a guy that got better and better. And, you know, you go back to the bowl game against Kentucky, you started to see a lot of things get put together. Just in terms of being able to bend, you know, for a, for a tall guy, you know, the thing with Sharif is, is, is at the pro day he was, you know, he was measured three different times at, at over six five, almost six five and a half. So for a tall guy to be able to bend at the top of the rush, uh, be able to change direction and work back to the inside at, at the top of the rush as well, um, you started to see a lot of those things come into play. And uh, it was a guy that you really, I really started to get excited about the latter part of the season, and then obviously, um, you know, when he declared to come out, you get a chance to really dig into, you know, what he brought to the table. And then from an off-the-field standpoint, another guy that uh, met with the Eagles a couple different times throughout the course of the process, uh, what was he like away from the field? What was your, your take on it from a personal standpoint? You know, I got to know him. Um, at, at, uh, I worked uh, positional groups behind the scenes there at the, at the Combine, so, you know, you're with the defensive line for – their entire time out there, so you get a chance to, you know, interact with Sharif um, more, um, and then cont- 
continuing on to the pro day and then talking to the, you know, the coaches at, 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 at Penn State um, and hearing about his development as a person, you know, was a very, very positive, um, you know, and hearing talking a lot to the strength coach and some different coaches there, just, you know, Sharif's work ethic, um, what he brought to the table on a, you know, day-in, day-out basis. Sharif's got a big heart. Um, he's got, you know, he's really, really matured as he's got, you know, along in his career there at Penn State, and they couldn't have spoke more highly of him um, and Miles at the same time. And character's very important for us here at the Eagles, and, you know, not just the football character, but the personal character, and Sharif definitely checked that box. All right, so before we rewind the clock a little bit on Sharif Miller, let's first just hear from his head coach, and that's James Franklin from Penn State. Both Amy Campbell and I talked with Coach Franklin on draft weekend about Sharif Miller and what he would bring to the Eagles. Let's hear from that discussion now. Coach, I'm glad we're talking to you later in the day so we can also talk to you about Sharif Miller as well. Uh, another big addition for the Eagles there on that defensive line. He's going to have uh, the chance to come in and compete in a, a great defensive line group where they just love to send one guy after the other, after the other, rotate those guys in there. How do you see him fitting in in this Eagles scheme? Well, I, you know, the thing about Sharif, I, I'm so proud of him. From the time we recruited him out of high school, uh, from the time that he showed up here on campus, um, he's grown, he's matured, he's developed in every aspect of his life, um, academically, athletically, socially, uh, has really become a big-time football player, was a tremendous leader for us this year on our D-line, on our defense, and really with, that, with our team. Uh, you know, we led the nation in sacks last year, and he was part of that. Where I thought he made a big step this year is he was a really complete player. A lot of times early on, all defensive ends want to do early on in their careers, just sack the quarterback. And, and he's at a point now where not only does he enjoy obviously getting pressure on the quarterback, but, but playing the run consistently and holding his gap and all those types of things. So you know, the way, the way you know, Philly plays defense and the way they play with their front, I know he's going to be excited to work in there, but I do think he's a guy that has the size, that has the physicality, the durability, um, and the athleticism that he can do a lot of different things for you. And I think that's, to me, what I have found over my 24 years of doing this. A lot of times as coaches and as scouts and as fans, we get excited about that guy that's got the one really sexy trait um, that you fall in love with. He ran an unbelievable 40 or he did one thing extremely well. And that's not really the case with Sharif. He does a lot of things at a high level. He may not have one elite trait, but he does a lot of things at a really high level. And I think that's when you have a chance to have a really good defense and a really good football team. Coach, you talk about you know he doesn't have maybe that one elite trait, but what do you think as a pass rusher, what is that one thing he can kind of lean his hat on? He can you know, kind of say, okay, this is my calling card. If I'm going to beat the tackle across me, does he have a, a go-to move? What, what was his uh, go-to way to try and beat the man across from him? Yeah, I don't know if, if I would say there, there's, there's kind of his one move. I, I don't think he's a one-trick pony. I think he's got a long arm. I think he does a really good job of get off and, and trying to beat the offensive tackles outside arm. Uh, pretty fairly, you know, developed when it comes to using his hands. Uh, he's got some counter moves off of it as well. But I think really it's it's his ability to bend. It's his relentless motor. Um, it's combination of speed and strength. And obviously, I know there's you know there's phenomenal tackles that he's going to be going against in that league. Um, but I think that's that's kind of what makes him good. Is he's got a wide skill set. He's got a wide range of skills that he's able to lean on 
when he needs to based on you know what's the talent and skill of the the guy he's going against. All right, and for the rest of that interview, you want to go check that out on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles mobile app or the Eagles YouTube page. And now let's rewind the clock a little bit on Sharif Miller. The first time we talked about him was actually after the season because, remember, he was a junior who declared early for the NFL draft. We weren't really talking about him during the fall. We tend to focus more on seniors, guys that are definitely going to be in the draft. So it wasn't until the week of the East-West Shrine game when Sharif Miller first popped on my radar. And now the reason why he did down there, he wasn't at the Shrine game game, but I was doing an interview with Michigan offensive lineman Jawan Bushel-Beatty, and I asked Jawan, I said, you know what, let me ask, who are the best players that he faced in the fall? Big Ten was full of talented defensive linemen, and I asked him first, I said, talk about your Michigan teammates, because often when you talk to these guys and ask them who was the best guy you faced last year, they'll always defer and say, oh, it had to be my teammate, I saw him every single day in practice. So I asked him about Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary, we got that out of the way, then I said, out of all your opponents, who was the number one guy, who was the toughest guy that you faced? last year and for Bushel Beatty it was Sharif Miller. Probably had to go with Sharif Miller. I thought Sharif Miller was a pretty good player. I thought um he had good he had good speed, he had good quickness. So uh, I had to be on my P's and Q's that game. And uh you know like I said there's a lot of good players in the in the Big Ten, a lot of good defensive ends, but he stuck out to me the most. All right, so now you fast forward to draft day. The Eagles stay put in the fourth round. They select Sharif Miller out of Penn State. Amy and I break down the pick right here at this set, and then we toss it over to Dave Sparrow, who was in the draft room with Howie Roseman, with the entire Eagles front office and coaching staff, was there to see what their reactions are as they made the pick. A lot of really good insight here from Dave. So for more on what the experience was like inside the Eagles draft room, we are going to Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, who is in the room where it happened, as always. Dave, break it down for us. What was the scene when this pick was made? Well, it was an interesting scene. Um, packed room, of course. Uh, Staff Sergeant Alexander Padino in the room, uh, watching, observing everything on this Saturday. And the Eagles bringing in Jim Schwartz to say hello, bringing in Philip Daniels to say hello. It was funny. Schwartz said to Sharif, hey, Sharif, are you in Philadelphia? Get in a lift and get over here to the NovaCare complex. And obviously for Philip Daniels, the new defensive line coach, another piece to work with. We had wondered where would the Eagles kind of tap in to this defensive line talent in this draft, which is said to be historically deep in the interior and on the edges. So they do it here at the end of the fourth round. Sharif Miller, who, when he came to the NovaCare Complex and talked to the Eagles, you know, talked about, hey, I need to play better in all situations against every level of competition. Uh, get that motor going. But he's enormously talented. Phillip wants physical players on the edge, violent, disruptive players. And the Eagles believe that Sharif Miller fits that mold, and he'll come in and compete. Remember, it's not just about brand. Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and Chris Long. You know, there's also uh, Josh Sweat here. There, there is some talent here for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Miller will compete with that group in training camp. Yeah, and the Eagles bring back Vinnie Curry as well from uh, from the Tampa Bay Bucks. And ironically, Dave, he's a guy. He kind of reminds me of Vinnie Curry in terms of his style. Yeah. He's a bigger guy. He's got the ability to set a strong edge. What do you think about adding another defensive end into this group? We know how much the Eagles love to value the lines on both sides. It's been offense all through the, up to this point. Now you get your first defensive player. Not not as really surprised that it's a defensive lineman. I mean, there's two things here, Fran. Look, the, we, we kind of thought going in, maybe given the nature of this draft, it would be a defense-oriented draft. 
had not been the case until now. And then number two, Howie Roseman, other than that first round, he's let the draft come to him. He spoke about it last night, lets it happen again here in the fourth round rather than dealing out of the fourth round and picking up additional selections in rounds five, six, and seven. Uh, the Eagles wanted to stay true to their board. They stay true to their board. And they bring in another piece to work with. And again, you cannot have enough defensive line help. We found that out last year when the Eagles suffered a rash of injuries and really toward the end of the season relied heavily on a three-man rotation at the defensive end position. So they want to build depth. They want to build competition. And when you look at it, guys, I mean, the Eagles, they've got exactly that. They are going to have to work through a lot of talent here to find the best four or five, maybe six defensive ends to make this 53-man roster. It's going to be great competition in training camp and in the preseason. Yeah, certainly a good problem for any team to have, and of course for Jim Schwartz to have as well. Did you get a sense from him how excited he was about this pick? I know we talked yesterday about Deuce Daly and the Miles Sanders pick from Penn State. How excited was Jim Schwartz to have this guy in the fold? Yeah, very excited, Amy. And here's the thing about Jim, and Jim's talked about this in the past, what works for Jim Schwartz and his defense? Well, it begins with a dominating front. And the Eagles in 2017 obviously had a dominating front. And the way that they've addressed the defensive line in the offseason, you know, signing Malik Jackson in free agency, bringing back Vinnie Curry, retaining Brandon Graham, now adding Sharif Miller. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a deep, it's a talented group. Um, I think the Eagles' idea here as we know, is to just keep rotating through, moving players in and out, up and down the line, getting that uh, jet set group ready to go in the nickel, sliding players inside. Uh, So I think Sharif Miller, while probably not known as a dynamic pass rusher, very physical against the run, and certainly showed the Eagles that he's got enough getting up the field, attacking. That's what Jim Schwartz wants his defensive lineman to do. Well, and a guy who's not going to have to get on a plane to arrive at the NovaCare complex, like you mentioned. Um, Dave, I'm curious what the energy is like in the draft room today. You, you've talked to us throughout the process of the different kinds of vibes throughout the different picks. And day three, I know, is a day that Howie Roseman always loves and has mentioned it's his favorite of the days. What is the vibe in that room right now? You know, Amy, this is really where you find out a lot about your scouting department, your personnel staff. You want to find these mid to late round and then after the draft gems. And with only two picks, it's kind of an exercise in patience. And I know that Howie's constantly working the telephones, evaluating opportunities to move up, to move out. Obviously decided to stay put here in the fourth round. But the Eagles have to keep their eyes open here for opportunities to get in to round number five, potentially, which it would appear to be a long shot at this point. Potentially in the sixth round, do you want to move around in that round? Do you want to try to get into the seventh round? But also kind of starting to lay the groundwork significantly for a crucial after-the-draft process. With only five draft picks here, the Eagles are going to have a lot of room and a lot of opportunities for some of the higher-end players who weren't drafted. So contacting agents and getting a feel for the landscape and explaining to them that, look, we've only got five draft picks. If your player wants to have a fair chance, and we've shown in the past that undrafted players will make this roster, then the Philadelphia Eagles are a good spot for you. So all of those things are going on along with the realization that 
It's a very long day here on Saturday. The Eagles don't have a lot of picks, only two of them coming into the day, only one remaining. As exhilarating as it is to kind of race to the finish and go through that frenzy of signing players after the draft, you've also got to kind of measure it and stay calm and be patient and understand that there's a long way to go in the draft. The Eagles just without that draft capital to use right now. Dave, the last question I've got for you is just about the – you mentioned him, the new defensive line coach, Philip Daniels. He's been here as the, uh, the assistant defensive line coach over the last couple of years. Tell us what, what, what can Eagles fans expect from uh, Philip Daniels. He talked about how, what he wants. He wants violent, urgent players off the edge. What can they expect from the new defensive line coach? I think a little bit uh, more discipline. I mean, the Eagles had a couple of busts last year along the defensive line. That Adrian Peterson run is a prime example when the Redskins came to Lincoln Financial Field, a bust up front and a long touchdown run for Peterson. He wants that violence. He wants that aggressiveness. He wants, I think, a little bit more technique use, hand use. Uh, I, I seem to think there's going to be some versatility that the Eagles are going to have to show up front here. Um, but look, it's all about production. I mean, as as critical as I am right there about the Eagles defensive line, let's remember they had an excellent season getting to the quarterback last year. Where they fell off, and I'm not sure if it's the defensive line or the linebackers or just the way the games went, the run-stopping efforts went down last year and and so getting Tim Jernigan back really helps in the interior and solved one of the Eagles holes so they've got really good depth along the defensive tackle in that rotation with Fletcher Cox with Jernigan with Malik Jackson with with Trayvon Hester potentially uh, Bruce Hector I mean players who are going to compete for playing time and now you've got some really good promising depth on the edge I think Phillip is going to Get all his guys out there and may the best 8, 9, 10 players win roster spots here. It should be intense competition in training camp. But I think Phillip wants it to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more physical, and a little bit more uh, kind of technique-oriented along this defensive line. So Sharif Miller, obviously a very, very intriguing pick and a player that the coaches are very high on. They're excited about him fitting into this scheme with Jim Schwartz. All right, let's transition now to Clayton Thorson, the Eagles' fifth-round selection, the quarterback from Northwestern. As we have throughout the course of this series, we're going to start things off with the area scout who went into Evanston, uh, Illinois, and studied Clayton Thorson. That's Pat Stewart, the Eagles national scout, uh, a guy that we've talked with in the past. He was there back at the Senior Bowl. We talked with Pat just about the whole All-Star game process from a scouting perspective. A really interesting conversation. You go back and check that out from early January. But we caught up with Pat to talk about Clayton Thorson and what he'll bring to this Eagles roster. Really happy to be joined by Eagles national scout Pat Stewart and this is the, the second time Pat's been on the, uh, the Journey to the Draft podcast. Pat, how does it make you feel that you are the first Eagles scout to be on the show, not once, but twice? You are the first recurring, return scout. Recurring guest. Recurring, yeah, recurring guest. guest. I think I get a, a T or a satchel of some sort. <laughs> that would be uh, really nice. Yeah, well, uh, well, it's in the mail. You'll, you'll get it before minicamp. Right. Sure. Um, sure. So right. Pat was on uh, right before the Senior Bowl. We talked about the whole All-Star game process. And a guy that we didn't get a chance to see down there because of injury was Clayton Thorson. But before we get into that part of the process, let me uh, first ask you, what was your first impression? When did you first uh, get introduced to Clayton Thorson as a player, and how did he first pop on your radar? Yeah, so last year, probably around this time, right when I joined the Eagles, um, that was my first time. This was this season was my first year going into Northwestern, so just kind of getting myself familiar with the players, like in the new area that I was going to be in, um, uh, familiarizing myself with what the prospects are. And I was like, oh, you know, good good sized quarterback from Northwestern, let's pop them on. 
you know, make some plays and find out he gets hurt at the end of the year at the ACL. And uh, so kind of that stuck in my brain that, you know, you want to want to see how this guy progresses uh, coming off the injury. So that was the first time I got introduced to him. And then uh, obviously watching him the first game of the season come back and it was kind of on a pitch count early on in the year. And then uh, going into the school a couple times this fall, um, those are my exposures to, uh, to Clayton. So I got to tell you, like talking to him draft weekend, I was yeah. floored by how much he reminded me of like of Carson in terms of like just talking to right. him personally, uh, not just like the topic of conversation and the content, but uh, also like his delivery. It, it, like, does do you get that same kind of presence being around him as well? Does he have that same kind of demeanor? Absolutely, and you know, to get too inside on things, but you know, the uh, the combine interview, you know, we got to spend yeah. some time with him and meeting with the staff, the head coach, office coordinators in the room, all of us, and. Uh, and he just handled himself really well, uh, really polished. Um, you know, never at a loss for words. You know, carries conversation easy. Like just a really good person. You can tell two great parents at home. He's from the West Suburbs of Chicago. Um, you know, really, really good, supportive families and raised the right way. And you know, he comes across that way when you talk to him. And then talk about him on the field. What what does he bring? Give us a, a quick uh, elevator scouting report uh, of one Clayton Thorson. Sure. Uh, you know, good arm. Uh, productive in a uh, in a in a situation that's not real easy to be productive in. Um, you know, obviously Northwestern's got a great program that uh, you know they you know they play hard, they play their tails off. Um, but at the end of the day, you know they are a little bit limited when it comes to matching the talent level of Michigan or Ohio State and those teams they have to compete with. But with Clayton at the helm, they competed with them and at the highest level. You know, they go to the Big Ten championship game this year. They go to the bowl games and win. Um, and Clayton was a big part of that. You know. I think a lot of people look at his stats, and he had seven interceptions this year. And the interceptions I watched, you know, kind of analyzing where they happened, five of those his receivers could make plays in the ball. And, you know, you kind of have to weigh that into the evaluation of the whole thing. When you see a guy who does turn the ball over, you want to knock him for it. But at the same time, why did those interceptions happen? Well, there's a reason. Um, you know, this guy's gotten the most out of everything. He's, he's a great kid. He's a great leader. Um He's always going to be ready to go, and that's probably the most important thing. You, you talk about being a backup quarterback in the league. Yeah, and he couldn't compete uh, down to the senior bowl just through that injury. But when you talk about him compared to some of the other guys in this class, is there one thing that you feel like, all right, this is kind of what sets him uh, you know, into a group, maybe not by himself, but you know, this is what can help set him apart from, uh, from his peers? Yeah, you know, I, I just think the the fact that he is a reliable, not that these other kids aren't, sure, uh, but that he is a reliable, smart, productive kid that's played football at the highest of levels and uh, and been successful with it. And you know, he's got a. On top of that, he's got a good arm. He's athletic. He can extend plays. Um, you know, those are the things. At the end of the day, like being a good kid's great, but at the end of the day, he's got to play football, and he's a good football player too. So, those are the things that get us excited. Well, Pat, appreciate the time here for your second tour, tour of duty uh, on the Journey of the Draft podcast. We'll be, uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Raymond. All right, so let's rewind the clock a little bit. We're going to go back to before week four of the college football season. So this is late September. I caught up with Greg Cosell not just to talk about what the Eagles were doing at that point, but about the college football season and some of the intriguing quarterbacks that he had had a chance to study back in the summer. One of those guys was Clayton Thorson. He made a very interesting pro comparison to him. He was very intrigued by Thorson. I'm going to let Greg tell you the rest. All right, let me ask you now about a guy that I actually haven't watched yet, uh, Clayton Thorson from Northwestern. 
You know who he kind of reminded me of? Who's that? He kind of reminded me of a bigger Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, okay. Now, I thought that Thorson had a naturally stronger arm than yep. Trubisky. Tough loss for them, by the way, this week. Oh, real tough. Yeah, yeah. tough to lose to Akron's first win over a Big Ten team. I know. Yep. And I, but I thought Trubisky was more consistently accurate in college than Thorson is. Okay. But Thorson obviously is you know, playing at Northwestern and obviously losing games like that. People always point to the quarterback as if he's at, at fault. Yep. I didn't see the game on TV. I certainly haven't seen the tape. But I think that he has a chance to be a pretty high-level prospect. Now, hmm. whatever that – look – you and I both know there's guys who were talked about at this time of year as third or fourth round picks. Then all of a sudden we get to a month before the draft and there's six quarterbacks who, who everybody says are going to be taken in the first round. Davis Webb, right. Right. So, I, you know, I don't want to go there, but, but I'm just talking about, I think, his size, his arm strength. I thought he was pretty good with his elimination isolation ability, the processing. He's got mobility. I think he needs to clean up some ball placement issues. And he needs to clean up some decision-making issues. But there's a lot of talent there and a lot of size. So I hadn't studied Thorson to that point. And so for Greg to say that he was comparing him to Mitch Trubisky kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't necessarily expecting it. I can definitely see it after studying him. You see that skill set, what he can bring to the table, what his strengths are. You could see the comparison to a Mitch Trubisky. And a little bit later in the fall, as we're getting ready for conference championship weekend, one of my favorite weekends on the college football calendar, Ben Fennell and I were talking about the Big Ten title game, Northwestern versus Ohio State. Clayton Thorson was one of the players that we spotlighted. Interesting. Well, let's get into the next game. Playing at the same time, Saturday, 8 o'clock, Big Ten title, Ohio State versus Northwestern. Who are you excited about in this game? Listen, if somebody wants a signature game, Clayton Thorson's opportunity is here. It's Ohio State. It's a Big Ten championship game. It's not that same Ohio State defense. You don't have Nick Bosa out there. It's not the same safeties and corners that we've seen the past three, four, five years. They've been struggling on that back end. Clayton Thorson's very poised in the pocket. He's a pretty accurate player. Reminds me a little bit of Nate Sudfeld here in Philadelphia, hmm. who uh, also Big Ten quarterback coming out of Indiana, also went to the Senior okay. Bowl. Didn't have great team success at Indiana, but he had a lot of traits that you could see project to the next level. And I see the same thing with Clayton Thorson. So an interesting comparison there from Ben as well. You know, we had Greg talk about him compared to Mitch Trubisky. Then Ben goes around and says, yeah, he's kind of similar to Nate Sudfeld. And to me, that's why he's been such a good fit in this Eagles locker room. You talk about pairing him with Carson Wentz, with Nate Sudfeld. I think that Clayton Thorson really kind of fits the mold of what they look for at quarterback, both on the field and off the field. You talk about that skill set. It was really, really fascinating to me for the Eagles to be able to select and put him in that quarterback room. Uh, Clayton Thorson is a guy I think that's going to fit in really, really well. Still needs to develop, obviously, but a very, very intriguing player. But remember, college football season ends. He couldn't go to the Senior Bowl because he was dinged up with an injury, and that injury prevented him from working out at the Combine. So Clayton Thorson really kind of slid under the radar. No one was really talking about him. It's kind of like what Greg mentioned earlier in the show, that you know we get to this point where some guys are talking about day three picks, and you see their stock rise. Thorson didn't have that opportunity because he couldn't go to the All-Star game, because he couldn't work out in Indianapolis. So he really slid under the radar, ended up being a day three selection. It was a very, very intriguing option there. So the Eagles make the pick in the fifth round. And again, Amy Campbell and I break down the pick, and we toss it over to Dave Spadaro, who breaks down the selection, gives his insight from what he gleaned from the draft room. Here's what Dave had to say on draft day. All right, and we've got the Eagles insider ready to give us his inside analysis and take on this pick. Dave Spadaro, Clayton Thorson, quarterback out of Northwestern, joining the Eagles. What are your thoughts? 
Well, my thoughts are that I just spoke with head coach Doug Peterson to get a little intel from him and just to get some sense from the Eagles in the draft room about Thorson. And the word is athletic player, big, strong guy, ACL injury, a great character, didn't have a lot around him at Northwestern, highly productive. They're thrilled with the pick. They thought, you know, again, they let the board come to them here in this round and thrilled with the pick, adds competition in the quarterback room, somebody to develop great work ethic really thrilled with the pick of Thorson at this point and you know again somebody there's there are no there's no tier here there's nothing promised there's nothing guaranteed he comes in to compete to work in the quarterback room Dave Amy asked me at the very top was I surprised and I think we've heard from a lot of the Eagles front office over the course of this offseason we've heard from Jeffrey Lurie we've heard from Doug Peterson Howie Roseman the want and the need to add more competition into that quarterback room they come through with that discussion here with the selection of Thorson uh, overall thoughts really on, on that position going into the spring and then into the summer. Yeah, I mean, look, it's all the Eagles have done such a great job in this offseason building up around Carson Wentz. Okay, the offensive line has gotten better. The run game has gotten better. Wide receivers, you've got more depth, more versatility, gotten better. Uh, They're another year into the offensive scheme. Carson's working his way back to full health. He's got a great mindset. He's excited about the 2019 season. All systems go here from that standpoint for Carson Wentz. And then Nate Sudfeld will have an opportunity to show what he can do, taking increased reps. Now, we took a a bunch of reps last year in the spring and in the summer, so that really helped him and in the preseason as well. So Nate Sudfeld ready for his next step in his development as a quarterback. And then they bring in uh, the Perez kid who comes in, experienced player as well he'll learn the system and he'll compete as well and now you've got a draft pick to work into the mix so it's it's you always want to keep developing players for down the line keeping your eyes on years to come and that's what the Eagles are doing at the quarterback position obviously it is all about Carson Wentz the franchise player but it's more than that and we've seen how important it is in the past to have quality depth at that quarterback position. And, of course, uh, with this pick, the Eagles move back as well to get a seventh-rounder from New England, pick 246 there. Uh, Those late seventh-rounders, Dave, it's always interesting. This is where we find the hidden gems, kind of maybe the guys we haven't heard of, but the coaching staff and the front office has been in on, has been in love with. Any sense if this is going to be one of those types of picks (laughs) for the Eagles? Yeah, look, it's, there's a lot of draft here to go. And then again, that post-draft period is so important. It's a frenzy to sign players who weren't drafted. The Eagles have had great success in the past. They've got a lot of confidence in their abilities to continue to have success adding players to the roster. And, you know, again, when you've only got six draft picks, it's a great sales pitch to prospective agents and players. If you want to have a great opportunity to get a fair look and compete for a roster spot, come to Philadelphia, join the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are obviously an outstanding football team with a great opportunity to make the roster. So that'll do it. And I hope that all of you out there enjoyed these three episodes as much as I did. Just looking at all of the Eagles draft picks and looking at their journey to being selected by the Eagles on draft weekend. A really, really fun exercise just kind of going back. And obviously, all these guys had different levels of content. We had a lot on Andre Diller. We talked about him a lot over the course of the fall. Miles Sanders and JJ a little bit less and Sharif and Clayton a little bit less. But Really, really fun to just kind of go back and get our thoughts on these guys from before they were Eagles and really see how we felt about them throughout the course of the process. But again, 
The Journey to the Draft podcast is not over. We've got a lot of really interesting content coming in the next few weeks. Obviously, we're going to start getting ready for the 2019 college football season. We'll start talking about players of different positions and the like once we get into the summer. But the one thing I want you to keep an eye on over the next few weeks is we're going to do what I'm going to be calling our process series where we're going to talk with a number of top evaluators all across the platform, people from different roles all across the country, and get a sense of what they look for when they evaluate college players. How much do they watch? What are they looking for? What sets themselves apart from other evaluators? And just get a sense, get some advice for all of you out there that are trying to be better football fans and try and get a better sense of what works from college to the NFL. It's going to be a really fun exercise, something I hope you're really, really excited about. And then also, we're going to have Ben Fennel in over the next four weeks, just to look around the draft or look around the NFL, see how teams did. Not from a, we're not going to give out draft grades or anything like that, but just get a sense of how teams are trying to build the roster. All, all 32 teams are excited about what they did in draft weekend. So Ben and I are going to kind of hash out why they're so excited and why this really speaks to how they're building their roster. So that, that's what you can expect from this show over the next couple of months. But until then, I'll see you next time right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast.